Hey everyone! Due to one of our hosts moving and a hurricane cutting power in both our locations, our audio is of a lesser quality. We apologize for this and promise it will return to normal next week. I think you are totally off base on that. I completely disagree. You make a good point. You know what? I agree. Hello, everybody. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of... DD&D. Dice, Drinks, and Discourse. And guess what? We're not in the same room. No, we're not. Hopefully, doesn't sound too different to you at home, but... Here, I am 240 miles away from Jesse's heart, and that just breaks mine. I know. I can't stroke your muscly chin anymore. And I can't stroke your long, luscious hair that always looks better than mine. Oh, well, thank you. But it's not a competition. We both can look lovely. Yes. So. But Jesse definitely looks lovelier. Oh, thanks. Anyway. I, I will take that compliment. Um, <laughs> I might disagree, but I'll take it. Uh, so, so I'm very, very excited because this is actually the first time that Billy is making his own cocktail. Yep. So it's the first of many failures, and I hope you'll you'll all join me along the way. One day I'll be nice to myself. Oh, uh, come on, Billy. I think you like. <laughs> obviously, I can't taste it, so I don't know for sure. But I'm po- pretty positive that you did a good job from the looks Thank of you. it. I, I appreciate it. I I think this will work despite the fact that it has a certain beverage in it but we'll get to that we'll get to it why don't you want to explain what we're doing today jesse (laughs) so we're actually going to be diving head first into the world of DD and actually talking about specific classes and because of that i figured we'd have a class-based drink so we are having a drink called action surge it it, okay you know what it makes a lot more sense now what's God. <laughs> you just got no, just, I totally just, forgot. Just tell, I, him. tell him what it is. I totally forgot. I just sent you the ingredients. I didn't tell you what it was called or anything about that. That's great. No, you didn't. You just uh, it's the ingredient list. So, set me on fire. So the ingredients for this is vodka, which we all know that Pilly doesn't like potato juice. You know what? If this becomes my catchphrase, I'll be a happy man. It hurts to drink the potato juice. What can I say? So it has vodka. It has triple sec. It has cranberry juice. It's got two cherries, uh, the maraschino cherries, which are normally like in Shirley Temples and such. Uh, It's got two lime wedges. And then to finish it off, you got some Mountain Dew. So the recipe doesn't actually call for Mountain Dew. It's actually a substitute for another drink. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a uh, a drink that came out in the 1990s. It got revived in the 2000s. It is Coca-Cola's version of Mountain Dew called Surge Soda. And damn it to hell where it belongs. <laughs> Basically, you can't find it except on Amazon on, or like specialty soda stores. But... I had to actually Google what Surge was, and then I saw that it was the Mountain Dew replacement, so we just subbed in Mountain Dew. Yeah, before I saw the recipe, you said, it, by the way, it calls for Surge soda, but don't use it, just use Mountain Dew, and I was already disheartened from that. <laughs> Sorry to, to alienate both the Mountain Dew crowd and the vodka crowd in two episodes, but I, I like what I like, and that list does not contain Mountain Dew. Well, I... Well, I think... Now is the time to test. Let's let's do it. Let's see if this wonderful concoction can overcome my hatred. Cheers to you, buddy. Cheers to you, Jesse. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> All right. Listen. It's pretty good. <laughs> this this these words taste like bile in my mouth, but <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm, so I'm, now, be- mm. normally I don't like test these cocktails beforehand. I just say that these are cocktails that either I'm making, I'm working on, or everything. But I actually have to taste them beforehand to make sure that they're okay because I don't want Billy to go out and buy alcohol that's just going to taste garbage. 
And meanwhile, I'm more than happy to go and buy alcohol, even if it does taste garbage. <laughs> but I appreciate the consideration. But so I made. Wow, this is actually pretty good. So I made this cocktail twice. I made it with Sprite and I made it with Mountain Dew. Yeah, I can see why Sprite wouldn't really work as it's well. Just, like, it's not as potent and it doesn't give you the visual quality that you want either. Uh, mm. I can tell that you put in a bit too much cranberry juice to get the visual effect, but when you have just like a splash of it, it goes from the cranberry juice sinks to the bottom and you get this translucent red to green look in the glass. Yeah, I, I saw that with yours and I partially willfully ignored it, but I thought I, I'm definitely glad I used a little more cranberry because it, it's, it's a nice muting agent for the, for the potato, for the evil potato water. Mm, yes, um, that is very true. But no, this like really tastes, this tastes like a great vodka mixer and I hate how much that yeah. uh, saying that, but it's, yeah. it's good. I don't know. It's, it's a good balance of flavors. I'm not overwhelmed by anything and it's, it's. It almost tastes light. I'm going to get another sip. Yeah, it's, I mean, let's put it this way. If I was going to a bar and someone was like, oh, we're getting action surge. Do you want some? I would be like, yeah, get me a glass, please. Yeah, no, this is something I could actually, like, I might actually drink more than once. I mean. You have the recipe, so go for it. And I had to buy a six pack of Mountain Dew because they didn't have anything at Wegmans that was smaller. So I guess I might as well. Yeah, I have a uh, two liter bottle now. I'm not happy about it, but I have it. (laughs) I I don't drink Uh, Mountain Dew ever. Root beer is kind of like the only soda that I drink. That's true. You've been pretty consistent for as long as I've known you. Is the the root beer being your thing yeah i respect you for that well it like but. it comes partly because my family so my family has a father's day tradition of having a keg of guinness on our porch it's just a a, a tradition that my dad and his his best friend started oh, is that why that's there yeah oh i always thought it was because you were an alcoholic oh well very funny <laughs> nah, okay. i love you but You're so great. it's a tradition to have a keg of guinness on the porch we uh uh, for my dad's fa- like Father's Day weekend, and it's gone back since he was forty, so before I was born. Um, so it's been a trajectory of like, well, my dad would have this keg of Guinness every year, and I wasn't able to drink it, so I wanted a keg, so I got a keg of root beer, and it kind of like <laughs> solidified my love of root beer and oh, set me I on see. that path. Well, that's good. No, it's a, that's a cute story. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had one to match, but like we don't really do traditions in. Uh, in the, the green greenhouse. family. No. We have well, actually we have one tradition. It's we've broken it since, but you know we 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 have it. It's involving ice cream. But every year we would whenever it was my birthday specifically because I was the only one who liked ice cream that much. Where we would get a sundae with the number of scoops equal to my age. Um, that sounds that's very, delightful. It was until until we started hitting the late teens, and I became the. Only, it was only me and my dad who wanted to participate that much. Ah, uh, and it, it, it's harder. But we, I kind of want to do it again. But now I think I need more people, and well, I'm happy to keep that going. But I feel like know, we're just gonna have a, we're gonna have to have a birthday party for you, Billy. And absolutely, and it's just gonna be like ice cream themed. I'm down for that. You yeah. Know, as long as y'all, as long as y'all keep helping me out, I'm, yeah. I'm down for that. I'll bring some Bailey's. We'll make some fun milkshakes. It'll be great. Ooh, that sounds great. All right, I can, <laughs> I can get behind that. You've, you've, been, you've been glad to the Mountain Dew. I will, I will incinerate this side of the Central Finite Curve. <laughs> but so yeah, the drink is very citrusy. You got the cranberry juice uh, mixed melds well with the citrus of the Mountain Dew. And the triple sec and, is and off, the lime. and the lime and the triple sec is orange flavored. So it really melds well to create this very re- actually re- refreshing cocktail. And hopefully energizing. I'm I'm running on pretty low I energy mean, right now, so this might the this might Mountain be Dew that gamer juice, you know. The gamer juice. I still have two cans of Mountain Dew Game Fuel in my fridge that from earlier in disgusting. the year. It tastes horrific, and I hate it, but the thing is, it's kind of become a running joke with me and my friends, so like now I have to drink it. I can't let it go to waste. I have to become the ultimate gamer. I'm going to mix it with that mm-hmm. fancy water I got from Japan and then become... Wait, the, wait, wait. Become... You got fancy water from Japan? Correction. I got water from Japan that just had fancy packaging on it. Ah. <laughs> I found it in a vending machine at a tiny uh, train station in Chichibu, uh in Saitama Prefecture, which is next to next to Tokyo, 
anyway, whatever. It was this tiny ass train line and it was great and I loved it. And I saw out of the corner of my eyes, I was waiting for the train, an anime girl on the bottle. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, because all of the train lines have their own mascots and they're usually anime girls. And I'm like, this is great. And it's just said in big letters, healing water in English. And I'm like, I could use some healing. So I go, got in and grabbed the bottle. I've had it ever since. That's almost over a year now. And I finally cracked it open. I have had it because – But you still have tours, the bottle, of course. I still have the bottle, of course. No, I haven't finished it because I only had a little bit because you can only handle so much healing power. Oh, my god! If I combine that, the healing water with the moe water I got from the Maid Cafe plus Mountain Dew Game Fuel, I will become a true god, a gamer god. I highly recommend everyone who can go to Japan, track down some of these waters and anything else you might want to mix it with the most just horrific gamer juice you can figure out. It has to have gamer on the label and then you too can ascend. All right. So, um, yeah, please take me away from this tangent. (laughs) Um, hopefully, uh, I didn't say anything during that time, but my audio dropped out for real quick. So I'm really happy that it was while you were talking. I was going to say, I got the signal, and I'm like, I'm going to keep talking about gamer fuel and transcending <laughs> existence, so yeah. this is my wheelhouse. Oh, thank God I was not talking. So, with now that we are surged of energy, <sighs> we are now going to go on to talk about some fighters. Yay. What do you mean, yay, in that bullshit tone? All right, do you want me to drop the drop the truth? drop the truth bomb of it holding on to this entire time or do we want we to get talked into it a that later? we we talked about this that we were going to do this last week what is this yes truth we bomb? did the truth bomb is the fighter is the worst game is the worst class in dnd 5e i completely none. disagree name a name a worse one name a worse class just in terms of in terms of it gets me wanting to play it name a worse one okay i don't like playing uh certain wizard subclasses uh okay i don't like playing um monk of the elemental fist okay i don't like playing um what was the i have my book in front of me i can actually check so so here's the thing that that you know that might be come down to personal preference that I don't like fighters, but I think any spellcaster is inherently more interesting that to play than a fighter because from the sheer variety of things you can do as any other class, as See, much as I the think the whole okay, thing the, about fighters though is that you actually get to do so many different things because of the amount of ability score improvements you get because you get so many ability score improvements you can take so many feats and allow you to do so much with that that allows fighters to be anything that you want them to be now i've been thinking a lot about this and the way you're you're right but it is definitely in terms of comparing to other systems way toned down from other systems of DD and other specifically pathfinder i think the idea yes they get more ability score increases to switch excuse me to swap with feats so that they can become a little more varied and a little more specialized and have an actual thing. Same thing with the subclasses. So they have a little more of a... They, they feel a little bit more unique. And yes, that's fair. But the if we're going to talk about like how many they get, it's not nearly as much as they do in Pathfinder, which kind of stifles how much you can do because the feat system in 5e is very different from other systems. And that's fine. It's its own thing. But I think on a core level of the, the common... The common skills and abilities that the fighter gets when compared to any other class in 5e is not is not very conducive to variety, customization, and honestly, just interesting abilities. You so know, the subclasses can be a little interesting, but you're, again, you're getting indomitable, uh, extra attacks, and action surge uses. Like that's cool, but if your action surge is only is only used to attack, attack, attack more, like it's just attack 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 and but you can use action surges for other things it doesn't mean that the class is bad maybe you're just playing fighters wrong how dare you there is no such thing as playing a uh, playing a DD character wrong well okay okay. yeah that is overstepping on my part but i i i was i am i am engaging in a little bit of uh, comic hyperbole it's kind of like when I talk about my least favorite class, I'm going to talk about them in the same way I talk about my future kids. I love oh them my all. God. 
I just love certain ones more. And you, if my kids ever listen to this, you are more than welcome to quote me on that at the expense uh, of your Christmas gifts. Oh wow! <laughs> All right, I'm be a so bad father. let's. We I do like to... the fighter. Okay. I think the fighter is an interesting class. I think you're right. There's a lot of variety you can put into it. I think that's very fair. Um, I just think that my I think certain certain aspects of how all the core fighter abilities work, plus some of my misgivings with the subclasses that are supposed to give a little bit more variety and interesting abilities to it, kind of fall flat and in comparison to other classes. So um, I, I the warlock to... is probably like the least powerful spellcaster on a on a combat you know perspective, but it is infinitely more interesting to play a warlock for me than a fighter because of how in how how no two warlocks could ever be somewhat similar based on the sheer amount of uh, customization issue, all right uh, ability so i have to do. break you uh cut you off for one second no please do um you have your bird with you correct yeah i was hoping we could just gloss that by it but uh, no, no no i think yes, it just if you hear a little screech um it's because billy's bird is loud Yes, so I have a, a, a wonderful little angel baby named Jester. She's in the same room. I'm currently working on adjusting my oh, setup. Oh, Jester. Burnett, Jester. Yes, and that is a, a reference to, to Crit Roll because she is very much as chaotic as the little blue tiefling she is named after. But I will work on that for the, for next time. In, in the meantime, uh, please enjoy the musical stylings of one tone at a very high pitch. Yes. Um, so I just wanted players. I wanted to make that clear just because in case our audio sounds weird, that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, so Jesse, you know, take over for me. What yeah. what do you love about the fighters? So I personally love the fact that if you are new to D and D and you just feel like this is too like everything is too much. There's too much going on. Fighters are kind of the way to like really narrow it down and just say this is what you can do. This is what you will get better at. This makes sense to me. And it's very nice for new players. But for more experienced players, I think that it can be super appealing because of the fact that there is ability score uh, improvements every two levels. And that really allows you to uh, really dive headward in into different capabilities of your character. There are so many feats to choose from, especially because they add more. And plus, there's a tons of homebrew ones we're going to be talking about too later. And so it just mm -hmm. makes sense that, like, you can say, all right, I am a champion fighter, so I have an improved critical. I'm good at what I do. And then on top of that, I also get to be like, all right, I'm going to take magic initiative, uh, initiative and just make it so that my character can cast spells, even though I took the champion side of things. I'm going to decide that I want my character to be this really, really good uh, dual wielder, or you can really customize the character, make them an actor, make them better in certain social situations. You can elaborate on the character in a way that doesn't limit them to just be, I'm going to hack and slash. And you're absolutely right. And see, none of that I disagreed with. Or I, I, not, not past tense. None of that I disagree with. I think that is, from, a pers from the perspective of someone's first character, it's an extremely simple and easy to understand character or character class to choose for beginners and the experienced players can look at the feats. I think this is one of those things where I like that there are fewer feats in 5e than say Pathfinder, mm -hmm. but I think it's too few. Too few. Uh, in the terms that I, I think so. I think I, well, I mean, enough. I agree. That's why there's homebrew there are, content. Right. But the thing is, I think, you know, me saying I want more is just going to invite the idea of, okay, let's just, saturate it which is my problem with pathfinder i'm currently playing a fighter in my pathfinder game actually mm -hmm. um and i like him i don't like him because he's a fighter but i like him because i like him because i was playing a, a cleric last last campaign and i really just did not want to cast any spells whatsoever um and i like the customization options i think the other extreme of having too few options and having too many options is also difficult Okay. That's what terrifies me about playing that character is that I always think that no matter what I choose, there's always a more optimal choice. But, but that's because you are like you like to optimize your characters. I have been called a min maxer, uh, just scrupulously. No, that's not. The right uh, word. I mean, you, Spur you... spuriously, spurious accusations of being a min maxer. I, mean, I just most my of those characters... accusations come from me because it's true. It's I 
if my character is not good at what they do, why are they in the party? That's a weakness, and that's not good. Now, I love having character-based weaknesses because everyone should have weaknesses. It's just if I'm gonna want, if I want to do something, I should be good at doing that thing. Otherwise, that's I don't know what am I doing if I'm not good at the having one thing fun. I want to do. There's, okay, yes, but the thing is how then there's more heavy lifting done for the fighter for the player of a fighter on the RP side. It's not like the fighter class can really give you a lot of RP focus abilities unless of course like what you just said is take a feat that is more social focused like actor or inspiring leader or something Skill. like that where Yeah, exactly. No, there are options and I think that's true. But I do think that it, it, the more of, more of the onus falls on the player to like think of ways that the uh, that the mechanics can later bolster their character rather than the abilities are already bolstering that character mm-hmm. and you're sort of like like the barbarian you know you the, the concept of rage is very you know codified in its abilities and in every single ability that all the barbarians get it, it the, the idea of wherever that rage comes from it fuels certain things in different aspects and you can tailor that towards what your character's definition of rage is you can't really do the same with extra attack or indomitable because you can like tweak it. Of course you can, you know, have your character be specifically motivated by certain things, but it's not like they're doing anything different. Mm -hmm. They're they're attacking and which means that, right. The onus falls onto feats and the player's character to yes, to fuel that variety. Whereas I like personally, personally, this is all my opinion. If you disagree, awesome glad thank you um i forgot where i was going with that <laughs> all right so Whereas personally personally i like uh my my all of my characters abilities to be to tie into who they are as a person particularly with spellcasters i want their their nature and their characterization to come across in the kinds of spells they choose and their strategies in a fight. I mean, that uh, can work with that. That can work with fighters too. I think the way that fighters strategize and plan out their combat situations can very be selective on their character and what they are trying to achieve. If you have a character that's like, I am the best and they always charge into battle and they're a fighter that works if you have a character you can make a support fighter no one is telling you you can't because support fighters are great they are super helpful to have next to you so that if if the wizard get is like I need backup they can do their spell and then the fighter just guards the wizard and makes sure that no one can get by him it works yeah, and, really uh... well Shout out to my boy Scott playing a um, in one of our older campaigns, uh, an arcane archer. I think that's a great class, uh, a great example in Five E of a support class or support style fighter. They're yeah. long range. They're mostly focused on bows and long range weapons like that, and a lot of their abilities are bolst- are, are bolstering those their quote unquote arcane shots. And that's a great play style for someone playing a arcane archer. And you're right. I don't have anything else to say that you're so, just, you're just correct. Yeah, let's. I I'm just gonna take a second. So a fighter is one of the classes in D and D five E. Is what we're talking about specifically. It has a few abilities that it uses over and over and over again. Second one, action surge, extra attack, and indomitable. Those are the four base things that you really need to know. It does have a fighting style that it gets a bonus from. But then the main thing that we want to focus on today, because we've kind of covered the basic of feats and everything of the four things, um, is the subclasses or the martial archetypes as they're referred to in the book. Yeah. And what's it, what I'll try to do a little bit of compare and contrast with my experience playing a Pathfinder fighter, because if we look at just the number of specific skills they get uh, outside of archetypes in Pathfinder, the the core rulebook uh, fighter is doesn't really get that much. They get specific uh, save increases. They get armor. They get better armor proficiencies and fewer penalties on wearing better sets of armor. But they don't really get much other than feats and having higher bonuses to their attacks at higher at, or at sooner at uh, lower levels. You know. So in terms of 5e to Pathfinder, it is already a lot more varied in, in terms of what they can do. And the customization in Pathfinder comes from they get a ridiculous number of feats. Every, le- every other level you get a feat in Pathfinder, 
and there are so many more than in 5e, which is it, – it, it literally overwhelms me. I can't even think about it, which is why – anyway, we'll get back to that. And then the fighters get bonus feats, and that's their biggest ability. Um, and so that's where the customization comes from. But uh, I'll try to compare and contrast a little bit with my experience. So uh, I will also try to compare and contrast uh, with my experience of the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, RPG. I have okay. I have a little pamphlet of a character that I created a long ass time ago uh, about uh, the different things. It's very similar to what we expect from D and D five E. It's actually um, somewhat more beneficial in certain ways, and then in some ways it's actually worse. So there what, are what do they uh, what do they call the fighter class or the they're the called fighters. Oh, okay. There the we go. way the way that Lord of the Rings RPG works is it allows for multiclassing a lot easier than other RPGs do. Uh, it's ba it basically sets it up so that you are able to say this is the type of character I want to play, and as you begin to grow that path, uh, you kind of select different things and you get different things, and it's more um, b instead of the idea of I am on a set path. It's kind of a pick and choose situation, at, from like the that. very get go. Uh, so that you sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, so you can be a fighter and say, "All right, I'm going to immediately take an ability called uh, Swift Strike, and that's what I'm going to go for, uh, and then I'm going to go for uh, my favorite weapon after that, uh, and uh, different things." But the main core thing is that you get a package. It's referred to as a warrior package, and uh, you get different things based off. Uh, you get different ability scores, uh, improvements, skill improvements based off of the package that you get. And then you get abilities on top of that. It sounded more and more like I really enjoyed this RPG. I mean, it's, it's a <laughs> it, way to talk about it. The Lord of the Rings RPG, it was it was really good when it came out in 2006. So it makes. Wow. Yeah, it's a while ago. I know. Um, but we're going to focus uh more on D D. uh there are six subclasses i think we should just go one two three four five six being that one is champion two is the marshal uh mar uh the battle master three is eldritch knight four is the arcane archer five is the cavalier and six is the samurai okay can i make a case for uh <laughs> Including an extra two. I mean, I have one in front of me as well that I want to talk about, so we can talk about nine. Sure. Okay. Well, I was gonna say we can we can sort of speed up through it because it's not like we're gonna be talking about a lot of different things. I mean, champion's I, super easy to talk about. So. Cool. I say we'll, we'll we'll take it how it goes. I'm just saying if we go through without talking about gunslinger, I'll be. Uh, that is true. We little... do want to talk about gunslinger. Gunslinger so much fun. Anyway. Um... So let we'll do. How about this? Gunslinger technically came out. Uh, at least a version of it came out before Xanathar's was released. So we'll do one, two, three, Gunslinger, four, five, six, uh, and then the second one that you want to talk about and the final one that I want to talk about. Sounds good to me. All right. So um, let's get into it. So let's do that. Champion. So, Champion, what uh, what strikes you about the Champion first? I mean, the improved critical. Basically, it's, it's just... It's a, it's a great ability. It, it's It's a thing of, do you want to be good at what you do? Do you want to be better? And what's funny about this is, like, it's very similar. And by similar, I mean it's the same kind of ability, just sort of slightly uh, down – not downplayed, but slightly uh, less so than in Pathfinder or 3.5, uh, improved critical. Yeah. Where, but it's usually only available at a higher level, and it expands your critical range, I think, by two. I don't know. So don't this uh, this only uh, – Champion only ex uh, ex uh, makes it – 19 or 20 becomes your critical which is in, which is great considering 5e you don't roll to confirm like yeah you, you would have to roll a second one in pathfinder uh but you just automatically crit on a 19 or 20 which is great and i think that's cool a lot of people like to not like to i've heard it said that it's a little overpowered at third level to just have a Ten, not ten percent chance of critting every well, time. well it, it also depends on how you take crits because i mean in my game um I know we haven't done it so far with your campaign that you play in with me, but I, I have, I, I've been doing it in others, especially in the kids game that I teach in. Um, I've been having uh, crit cards. If you've heard of these. Oh, I know crit cards quite well. Yeah. They're very so fun. basically crit cards add a 
extra element to critical damage. Instead, of, uh, basically, you do get the double damage no matter what. But in on top of that, it adds a lasting effect until your next long rest. Okay. Well, see that, yeah, Pathfinder does that too where they have a, a, a published deck of crit cards. It's not always that time limit, but it's something different happens. And a lot of people do their own custom ones. Yeah. They're very fun. But it adds another element to criticals, and when you take that into consideration with champions, it really makes that deck your bitch. Oh yeah, and that's and that's good. It can be good, but it does make your DM. It does require your DM to think about it a little more. It's like okay, at any given moment, they could crit and just annihilate whatever you not whatever you have, you know. But it, yeah. it, it does change a little bit how you prepare for it. Oh yeah, totally. I think it can be good. Do you do fumble cards for natural ones? I I have in the past. I don't at the moment. Yeah. I think those are fun. I should do those. I just don't want to put in the, the time to write out other cards. Yeah. Um, but I think champion is like the classic. Uh, it's what you expect when you think a fighter. If it's a fighter, you're, just, you're getting better at being a fighter. You, have another, you get another fighting style, which gives you a bonus to whatever kind of fighter you choose to be, defense or long-range attacks, whatever. Um, it, you get it, extra it is... proficiency bonuses to some of your saves. Um, the superior and... is the final thing about it that I really want to talk about because the superior is ridiculous. They... You mean survivor? Survivor, yes. Or superior, superior critical? No, survivor. Because it just increases your crit range again to 18 to 20, which is great. And then survivor makes it so that you get 5 plus your constitution modifier at the beginning of every turn to your health, which is ridiculous. That's insane. That's it, crazy good. It's crazy good. And it makes it makes sense for 18th level, but it's just like if you want to not die, here you go. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's only until you have half your hit points. But I still think like it's, it's like if you want to make a, a fighter quick and you don't have enough time, just just make a champion. You won't <laughs> you won't have to think too much. That's not an insult necessarily. It's just you'll have more time to focus on other things. Yeah. So battle master. Battlemaster is one of the first fighter archetypes I encountered in D&D in one of my first 5e games. I didn't play it, but I played alongside someone who did, and it terrified me. Why does it terrify you? Because of the options? Be because of the options. Like I said, a lot of my quote-unquote criticisms that aren't really criticisms is just I if I have too many options, I'll spend too much time worrying about whether I'm making the right choice. Yeah. But like well, you said, you can customize what your fighter is good at and... Yeah focused on and that choice becomes easier so the battle master is pretty much uh specific to one thing maneuvers uh they have a set amount of maneuvers that they can choose from and as time goes on they get more and more maneuvers that's pretty much all you really need to know there are a little bit other things that add to it but the maneuvers are really great because you get to add a, a d8 to damage usually and then in addition to that you also get the effect of whatever the maneuver is yeah and the maneuvers can do a lot to help with customization because it tell it's all about battle strategy and understanding your opponent and figuring out what makes them tick and how to move around that so like fainting parrying um tripping you know th these are all sort of cool ways to manipulate the battlefield um, oh yeah and I think one thing we should talk about is multi-classing. I won't talk about it too much because okay. we might have an entire episode based on that. But I, I fighter, definitely will. Yeah. For what for what it's worth, the fighter is actually a really good class to multi-class with other classes. Mm -hmm. um, I have I have particular issues with how multi-classing works in Five E only because it's not exactly like I mean multi-classing in any system is kind of difficult and doesn't really, in my opinion, give the same kind of benefits as keeping one class, but. The abilities you get, like even up to a level three fighter, if you choose a level three champion fighter and have the right stats for something else you want to be, you crit on 19 to 20 and you have all your armor proficiencies, all your weapon proficiencies you need, and you can just be something else while having all the space skills of being a fighter. And that's really good for a third level character and then going into multiclass for something else. You so, don't get the other abilities as, as much as you would a pure 20th level character. But it's not that much of a trade-off. It's this is a bit off topic because we are talking about fighters, but um, what do you like? I've heard this a few times, and I don't agree with it. But there is a thought that has come about, and it, people have talked about it, where you can only multi-class after fifth level or at fifth level. I don't buy that. I I disagree with it entirely. But it, it I just wanted to get your opinion on it because it is a prevalent thought in the community. 
I think it's I think it's like a I, I understand where the idea is coming from. It's you want to get a, a better you don't want to just be able to multi-class in like every every class by, you know, your third level. But I think I'm always kind of against rules that stifle player choice, you know. If a player wants to multi-class before fourth level or before fifth level, sure. Yeah. They'll have to live with those consequences, but if they want to then and that it makes sense for the story, sure. I always think that multi-classing is very important to get right in terms of how it interacts with the story of the campaign. You don't want someone to just like randomly spark magic powers and become a sorcerer multi-class for no reason. I have reason. abilities. I can be a sorcerer. I can be a sorcerer. Well, you know, if your character comes into conflict with or comes into uh, if they like interact with like this super powerful magical artifact and zaps them and they get powers, sure, that's super cool and I'd love to see where that goes. But if it's like it should at least make a little bit of sense. I I'm, I'm always willing to like hand wave stuff, but I don't think it should be a level cap. It should be a story reason okay. personally. So you know what doesn't make sense though? What? The Eldritch Knight. Alright, let's talk <laughs> about the Eldritch, Eldritch Knight. The Eldritch Knight is the worst subclass in D D five E. I don't disagree. Yeah, I played an Eldritch Knight. I've played two fighters so far uh, in my career as a five E player and the Eldritch Knight was one of them. And boy, is it a cool idea story-wise. Boy, is it the most underpowered fucking class in this goddamn system. And it makes me sad because I love uh, I love the idea of hybrid wizard fighters. And it, it can do a lot of great story things, if you'll yeah. indulge me for a second. I um, go for it, Billy. <laughs> my fighter was named Harrison. I loved him a great deal. Uh, I, he was the one I talked about, I think, in episode one or two about the idea of regressing levels where he was originally a warlock, but he had a, an issue with his god. He was following a, an evil god for whatever reason. We'll get into it. But they came into conflict. They took The god took away his powers, and he retrained as a fighter, and I decided to make him an Eldritch Knight because I liked the idea of, okay, he still wants to have this connection to magic, but he wants it to sort of be his own effort, you know, his own study, his own his own mind that gives him the power not some other outside entity like a cleric or a paladin or a warlock and i like that idea a lot but when i started looking into what an eldritch knight can do it really just crushed me with like oh man this is just like it, it, it's not enough so the it's a it's a third caster right or third yeah it is a third it, because it is a subclass ability it is referred to as a third caster that means that your uh, casting level, which is different from your character level, is only advances at every third level you take of that desired class. So, And that makes sense for a subclass. Yeah. You know, fair. What I'll never agree with is the limitation on what kinds of spells you can learn as an Eldritch Knight, which being abjuration and I think conjuration. No, not conjuration. Abjuration and... Evocation. I think con- evocation. Like, come on. I, yeah, I, you're, I when you're limited meant... that much, it doesn't make it worth it. Because even the um, even the third, the only other third spellcaster that I know of, which is a rogue, does not have that limitation. Absolutely. And a war wizard, a war wizard with uh, extra feats on uh, armor proficiencies is a better Eldritch Knight than an Eldritch Knight. And that kind of makes me sad. Yeah, it's true. If the, if the, if the trade-off of making an, if... if if an Eldritch Knight having access to all the spells would be make it overpowered, then sure, I'd like that much better than it being horrifically underpowered. But, yeah. you know, what can I do? But I, there's not much else to talk about in terms of Eldritch Knight. It's bad, and you should I think it's... I think it's cool. If you're really committed, talk to your DM about having homebrew rules for how the spellcasting works for it just, in terms of that limit. Yeah, just but, get rid of the limit, uh, mainly. I would recommend taking Magic Initiate, or if you don't... if or multi-classing with wizard, uh, and then you'll get a lot more a lot more options. All right, so gunslinger. Rest in peace, Harrison. Gunslinger. I think gunslinger is the coolest, and not just because I love the gunslinger from Pathfinder. Like it is a really neat, really cool, really versatile. It's my. It's probably my favorite, if not for the Echo Knight, um, of the subclasses of fighter, because not only do you pair it with like the the extra attacks and all the other abilities of a fighter, the versatility that that gives. But you also get the added bonus of like all the different types of guns or homemade guns. If you Mm -hmm. want to work with your DM and like make up new different kinds of guns, 
and other devices the whole idea of invention and like that that curiosity sparking mechanical discovery in the same way a wizard discovered spells oh it's so cool and so much fun especially in a in a setting that doesn't really have guns where you can sort of be that like that testing ground I and matthew that. mercer did a great job with it i think like i prefer it over blood hunter to be specific but i think he did a great job with making sure that it is extremely balanced and it works well um i think so i mean just watch a little bit of critical role and see it yeah watch like, percy percy holds up even into the end game i feel and he doesn't he i don't think he multi-classes as far no, as no he know. stays as a fighter well i mean there is a little bit of warlock in there yeah he's got some he's got some specific abilities but like it's i never felt anywhere like he you know it, it, to use that example, because I've never actually played a gunslinger. It um, never so. felt like that he was underpowered. And I've played gunslingers before, and I really think that what, when you advance as a gunslinger and you actually take the time in the downtime activities phase of D&D, it really makes sense that gunslingers get to be as powerful as they are, but also that they're not completely overpowered and that they're limited by their intelligence and by how, what, and what they create. Yeah, and absolutely, and like the amount, of the that need to like craft new ammunition, craft your guns, because you're one of the only people in this fantasy setting that hasn't really discovered guns, depending on your setting, um, is a really interesting idea for downtime and roleplay. Is like, how does your character grapple with this idea of being this herald of a new technology? You know, do they hide it or do they? embrace Are it they in yeah do they love it and try to see how much how far they can go and in terms of mechanics the trick shots are really interesting yeah they have a definitely. lot of different versatile it uses. takes the maneuvers that you get with um the uh battle master, battle master and changes it in a way that really makes it engaging on a similar level to the way that battle master is but also adds that sense of this is different and i can enjoy it yeah, it gets it gets the the gunslinger flavor um, and all the abilities associated with gunslinging. Um, the gunslinger subtype is just making it easier to fire the fire your weapon and making it easier to reload them because reloading is a big part of the guns and balancing it out um, and repairing your weapons. Yeah, I, and I think it's I think it's a great subclass. I I really can't wait to play it. I've actually I played it once. I, Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald he Trump was a was, is a gunslinger. He was, in my game, he was the gunslinger. Uh, my guns are anyway. so great, so great. Invest. No, they were called. He had twin pistols. They were called uh, Make America and Great Again. Uh, they misfired oh on a one through six, but they did like three d eight damage base. Okay, it was great. Anyway, anyway, so uh, big risk, big reward. What's the next one? Uh, Arcane Archer. Arcane Archer. I have no experience with this other than. All right, so I'll uh, talk about Scott. It. Uh, yeah, then Scott playing it next to me, and it was kind of cool. Yeah, Arcane Archer is a lot of fun uh, because when a lot of people play uh, play fighters, they normally think of this is an up-close and personal class, but it doesn't have to be. Arcane Archer is a really great way of showing that you are a support character even though you are a martial uh, character type. Basically, all it does is it creates the ability to make sure that your arrows can uh, avoid the damage uh the damage that it has i need to speak properly words magic arrow <laughs> words are tough. magic yeah, arrow it, it, you gain at seventh whole... level it's really really important to the class because it uh re forgoes resistance and immunities to magical attacks and damage it really helps in the overall structure of having a fighter be a um be a ranger uh, yeah it's allowing well, and, your fighter to be a ranger, but in a different capacity. And fighters usually have a, a stronger reliance on magic, magic items to bolster their progression because they do get more attacks, they do get more ability score increases, but a lot of their, you know, the extra flavor to their attacks and damage stuff and all the, the combat stuff comes from magic items. And the Arcane Archer is a great way around that where your, you, your study of magic is imbued into your weapons and your, your, particularly your bow. Um, giving you a lot of great support options, a lot of great damage outputs from afar. And, and then it also yeah, it also has uh, a few what are referred to as arcane shot options, which are just their version of Battlemaster, and it works and well. It's, and it's a cool way to customize. Yeah. It, it makes it feel like different arcane archers can be different characters based on what they choose. 
So next up is my personal favorite, and I have a story about this. So okay, please. Uh, the next one is the cavalier, the horseback rider, or however you want it, the mounted uh, fighter, and the mountain combatant. Yep. yep. The reason why I love this this subclass so in particularly is because it is allows you to have an animal companion, but not necessarily be so emotionally attached to that uh, animal companion that it is limiting in the same way that ranger is. Because ranger, and you're not. Sorry, go for it. The ranger, you are basically tied when you become a beastmaster you are tied to that animal whereas the cavalier it allows you to be supported by that animal but not de- in a detrimental way yeah and it's it's more of a support option or tool not not to call animals tools i'm a veterinarian but um in terms of the mechanics of the game it's more of a tool rather than a detriment like the original uh beastmaster ranger yeah where the animal companion doesn't it doesn't really progress but in terms of uh, a mount for a cavalier they're not really their own they're not really meant to fight they're meant to support your fighting style and, and you the can abilities... support them in the process which is so, yeah. what's so great about it and their abilities all come all bolster your ability to protect your mount and have your mount uh its movement and its uh its abilities to maneuver around the battlefield bolster your ability to fight and i think that that is the symbi the symbiosis there is like it, it's very very good and my not, only problem with go for, sorry, it. Go for it no no, no, no. Like, my only problem with the cavalier would be it's a little situational uh it's kind of you know not a little situational sorry it just it lends itself a little harder to justify bringing a a horse into like a dungeon you know or so, slightly enclosed spaces you can make your you can make any reason around it it's just like it's something you'll have to think about where you not, might not always have that space to maneuver and well it, so i have thought long and hard about this and oh, long and hard huh? yeah long and hard long and hard Thank so you, uh welcome so, to the asmr section of this podcast yeah seriously um <laughs> so i thought really a long time about this and my i wanted to think of a way around this the fact that you can't take a horse into a dungeon the cave uh ceiling might be too low and it, you might have to leave the horse outside and then it struck me there are smaller races that you can pick yes no, no, can... see that's okay and... that's what i think is so great about the cavalier is that based on what kind of race you are or based on what your size category is you can have any kind of mount you want and that is really cool so i personally made a character for this class because of the fact that i haven't played this character i just have it because i love it and uh her name is lena she is a gnome that was raised in a human community um and she is a cavalier to the t because her and her mastiff doodle uh, I was gonna say, what's her mount? A yeah, mastiff, very yeah. nice. Yeah, her mastiff is Doodle, so the mastiff is only a medium size. So when she's on her mastiff, she's technically medium size, and that's it, great. It works really well. And the fact is, is that dog, the ability of the mastiff and their ability to move around situations is if if Lena gets off of her mount and wants to climb into an area, the Mastiff can follow and squeeze into that area, which is so right. great because it means that your mount can follow you wherever you go uh, as long as it isn't a ladder. Right. And well, I see it's, you know, it's a, it's a magical, it's a magical Mastiff. Yeah. That's speaking of that. No, I think that's my favorite. I don't have any personal examples of playing a Cavalier, but my favorite uh, shout out to the glass cannon podcast again is a character named Sir Willamette who is a halfling cavalier who rides a wolf as his mount. And it, now that is a little different based on where they're, what the campaign they're in and what mm-hmm. kind of enemies they're fighting. But it allows a lot of, a, a far greater amount of options for getting around and not being as, say, loud or space requiring as a horse. So we're running out of time really fast, especially since we have three more things to talk about. Right, so, let's go for it. Samurai, what are your highlights? Uh, I love the samurai because I love anime, but uh, you, you've played a samurai, so tell me what you love about it. Uh, the fighting spirit ability is incredible. The fact that you're able to give yourself advantage and gain temporary hit points is a little bit broken, but it works. Um, as, as you Plus, in- trading, sorry, go for it. No. Plus trading it for advantage uh, is great when you can get into flanking and have personal flanking rules for advantage, and it just... The battlefield control aspect of is of it is very cool to consider. It make it just it works really well, and the fact that they really took the time to focus in on 
the idea of self-preservation in a sense it also works really well and that idea of fighting till the last breath and it has a lot of cool rp options for social encounters that is very uh, true and a, of, and a couple of abilities that bolster that so i like that a lot um what's the next one echo knight echo knight all right i'll try to be brief even though it this is the other fighter class i've played i love the echo knight this is a creation found in the explorer's guide to Wildmount. um uh, created by Matt Mercer, and it is very, very fun. The Echo Knight is basically a fighter who has learned to harness the magic of all like possibilities and like possible alternate Earths, not Earths, uh, possible alternate timelines, and they manifest this as an echo, a shadow of themselves that fights alongside them, can act as a familiar, and gives them such special buffs in combat. They get teleported around the battlefield, they can attack through it or gain extra attacks based on where their uh, shadow is, is positioned, it is really, really cool from a from a mechanical perspective, uh, from a combat perspective, where and from a non a non combat RP perspective, where you can sort of maneuver around the battlefield. It's the same kind of like tactics, and it highlights the tactical side of the fighter, while also being a really, really cool story hook of how your character deals with these alternate versions, these what ifs of who they could have been. I'm having a lot of fun with my particular Echo Knight fighter who is struggling with the idea of these characters being or these these shadows being people she could have been or might have been and what that means for her sense of self and it's great and i love that so i think in terms of role play and mechanics it's very very fun and i highly recommend people checking it out uh, and play and playing it out and seeing how they like it so the final one that we got is actually a homebrew um, yes i'm very eager to hear this one so this is something that i have been working on for this entire week uh if anyone is familiar with this, I will be so grateful. And please do reach out and let us know that you are familiar with this because I want to get your opinion on it. Um, so normally this we talk about uh, our homebrew stuff separately, but because this is to do with fighters, I really thought we should just go for it. So there is, in third edition, there was a external group that, uh, that created a campaign setting called Nyambi which is an African setting. And as we talked about before, African settings, I, I just want to know more about it. I want to experience more of it. So, yep, so I took a look into the book, saw what I could translate what I, uh, in terms of third edition into fifth edition, and I came across uh, something called the Gamba Fighter. Uh, it's G-A-M-B-A Fighter. And it is... Uh, a full class in third edition now again third edition allows for a lot of uh, a lot more pick and choose type of thing when, with fighters so it was very uh, vague in terms of a lot of stuff so i kind of added my own twist onto a few things and made it into a subclass for fighter um i would love to hear about uh those those abilities yeah Please tell me. so uh i'll just actually i'm gonna read through it you guys can take this as you please and please do play test this as well uh this is going to be we're going to post this as well because it's just a i'm going to make a pdf and of everything and have people play test it because i'm just interested to see how it works out uh yeah so let jesse know if it's no good and yeah make fun of her for it oh uh, of course no please don't do that so uh constructive criticism at third level when you choose this archetype you gain proficiency in one of the following athletics animal handling nature stealth or sleight of hand it's your pick um and then it has the uh, the second thing you get at third level is called the Sanguar, uh, S-A-N-G-U-A-R. Starting at third okay. level, you begin to master the art of dodging. As long as you are wearing light or no armor, when you take the attack or dodge action, you get a plus one to your AC for that round. Okay, interesting. I, it's, it's interesting how it's focused on a lighter armed character. Is that what most of the subclass is based off of? Yeah, it, uh, it is based off of the idea of light or no armor. It's uh, almost as if it's a link between fighter and barbarian. Okay, that's uh, interesting. So at level 7, uh, you get extreme physique. You master the bo uh, your body's physics and take it to extreme heights. You gain expertise in the athletic skill or proficiency in it if you didn't have it already. And your base okay. and your base speed is increased by ten feet. I like that. Uh, in addition, grappling a creature does not restrict your movement. And as an uh, if you grapple someone, you can take a bonus action to perform an unarmed strike on the grappled creature. 
That's very cool. That kind of, it kind of reminds me of uh, I think there's a feat that does something similar to that, but it's part of your character's ability. Yeah, it's actually I cross-checked it because there's grappler. Everything in grappler does something different to what extreme physique does, so it balances it, itself out as being separate from gra grappler. Interesting. Uh, then uh, at 10th level, the base speed increases another five feet to plus 15, and then again at 18th level to plus 20. Very cool. Uh, then at 10th level, you get what is referred to as Gambian Resolve. This is uh, taken straight from uh, the book uh, uh, of Nyambi. Starting at 10th level, the Gamba gains an extraordinary ability to shrug off some amount of injury for a blow from a blow. Normally in the original, it was you gain, you shrug off one point of damage per blow. I have changed it to, as a reaction, you can spend a charge to reduce the amount of damage taken by your fighter level. So 10 when you originally get this. You, okay, have, char uh, you have charges equal to your constitution modifier, and you gain I all like of that. them back at a long rest. Okay, cool. A long rest resource yep. based on your constitution, which is should be high for a fighter. That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, 15th level, you get Gambian Defender. As Starting at 15th level, you gain the ability to share your resolve with others. If an ally okay. is within fit five feet of you and they get hit, you can use your reaction to spend one of your charges to partially move in front of the blow, and their damage is reduced equal to your fighter level. That's very cool. Yep. I like that. The final thing is strength in community. A lot of uh, the whole thing about Gamba fighters is that they are based in local villages, smaller villages, and that they're very brought up to defend their community. So strength in community is the final ability. When you reach 18th level, you have grown to be a prized ally among those who are around you. You gain a special reaction that can be used each turn. When an enemy attacks an ally within five feet of you, you can use your special reaction to make a attack against that creature. It's similar to that of the Cavalier's final ability, because I love it so much, but it adds a benefit of this is very special to if your allies are getting attacked, you can defend them. I like that. I think that's a really good idea. Um, it fits in well with the 5e system with other archetypes and... I think, I mean, it, the only hesitation is about, about wording. I think, I think it's, I don't know, it would be easier to say you get a free attack without using your reaction, but it's the same thing. Well, yeah, it's the reaction. same, it's, it's like called, it. yeah, it's the same thing. Cavalier says it's a special reaction, so I use that oh, terminology. Oh, does Cavalier say that too? Yeah, I use that terminology. Oh, then perfect. No, then it works exactly as it, as it should. I like that a lot. I think the only, like, thing that jumped out at me was the third level ability being the dodge action, where instead of an action... Or where by using an action you only get a plus one. I feel like that's a little low. So it actually g raises as you get higher leveled. Oh, awesome. So it goes up to, I think, three at the highest point. So you get a plus three every time. Once you hit level 15, you get a plus three. And I think at level 10, you get a plus two. So Okay. And I think that maybe the, the subclass could benefit from somehow, I don't know where this would be put in, but like incentivizing or making a dodge action slightly easier or less action required because an action is a I, I basically the center of your of your turn i don't know how much you thought about this but i, I, I i've thought about it a it. bit because of the idea of switching it to a bonus action is something but then the ability becomes overpowered if you can then yeah attack i would say a bonus action would bonus definitely action. be overpowered so it, it is yeah. a thing but uh yeah so that's the gamba fighter uh subclass for fighter I, again i will be posting a pdf of it uh please enjoy it play test it get back to us i really want to hear what you think I think that's so cool, and I would love to, to playtest this when I have the chance. I might use it in my uh, WoW campaign. Yeah, if, if that would be great. I would really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I really like that. So next up, our, our last uh, last segment. Yeah, our last little segment. We uh, have gone a bit long this time, but that's okay, honestly. We enjoy each other's I mean, company. I love it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> this is fun. Um, so we created some feats for you guys this is things that you can take instead of instead of ability score improvements in dnd 5e yeah these are specifically uh aimed towards 5e construction rather than something like pathfinder 3.5 where there are more feats but they're all less powerful so to speak yep um so keep that in mind as we're as we're discussing this but do you want me to go first or yeah i just spent a long time on my homebrew so go for it all right so uh i don't know what your opinion is on the uh, 
feat, Great Weapon Master. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm personally a fan of it, but I, uh, there has been argument in our group, in fact, of whether it is a bonus action to you. No, no, that's different. Action surge. Never mind. I like yes. Great Weapon Master personally. I also like it a lot, but I do understand the criticism that it is a little too overpowered, especially at uh, earlier levels especially with the plus 10. So I decided to mix that up a little bit and see if I could put my own spin on it that's a little less overpowered from the sense of the criticism I heard of it. Sure. So this one is called All Out Attack. Okay. Uh, its only prerequisite is a strength score of 13 or above. Gotcha. Um, which fits based on it's geared towards fighters, people who are doing melee attacks, particularly with strength-based weapons. And the text goes uh, as follows. You train your body and mind to put all of your strength into your attacks. When wielding a two-handed weapon, specifically, you can choose to take a negative one penalty to your attack roll. If the attack is successful, you can add plus two to your damage roll. This oh. penalty increases to minus two at level five for an extra plus four damage, minus three at level nine for an extra plus six to damage, minus four at level 13 for an extra plus eight to damage, and finally, a minus five at level 17 for an extra plus 10 to damage. So you basically have a proficiency bonus. Yes, I based it off of the progression of the proficiency bonus so that it you still get uh, – it feels like it grows with you. You get better at this as you progress as a character. So it's not just I've been doing a plus 10 to all my attacks from level 5 or whenever I get – for level 4 whenever I get this ability. Um, but that wasn't, all, that wasn't enough because that's basically just the same ability as – great weapon master but just spread out over the leveling mm -hmm. so i also said additionally when you score a critical hit with your two-handed weapon you can double your damage statistic modifier for the attack oh that's so great it's the same it, it, it's similar to the idea of great weapon master giving you an extra attack when you score a critical hit or when you kill something this is a little less powerful than that but i like the idea of giving something extra on a critical hit because you put if you use this ability and put all your strength into your attack It'll go. It'll do a little bit more damage reliably every time. Yeah, I like that. That's that. That's real. I think, I think that's actually really balanced, and I really do like that. Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, I have one quick thing before we go on. I completely forgot to say this, but you said that uh, the the your fighter subclass is very tied to the community and a defender of that community. Yeah. So you you'd say that they live in a society. Yes. Bottom text. <laughs> we live in a society. Anyway, what's your feat? Well, recovering from that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I made a feat. I like. W we have gone to the New York Ren Fair a few times. We have, and it was great. Yeah, Billy went once with me, and then I worked there last year. Uh, I'm very sad that I'm not going to be working there this year. It's very unfortunate, um, but we will persevere. But there is a performer there known as Aaron Bonk. Oh, I don't know Aaron Bonk. Tell me about Aaron Bonk. He is a fire whip juggler. Oh, have I seen him perform? Yes, you have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those, he is great. incredible. He is amazing, and I love him to death. I think he is, he's a genuinely, genuinely great guy to begin with. And then the fact is he's just so talented. He holds the world uh, record for the amount of whip cracks in one minute. It's Oh my God. That's amazing. It, it really like, he's just incredible. He's a credible guy. And so this feat is dedicated to him. This goes out to you, Eric, uh, Aaron, Aaron. Sorry. Yeah. It goes out to Eric's too, but uh, yeah. mostly Aaron. <laughs> um, so you master the, it's called juggler. You master the art of juggling weapons and you gain the following benefits. You gain advantage when you're using a performance check as long as it pertains to juggling. You okay. do not lose your proficiency bonus when using two-weapon fighting as long as the second weapon has the thrown property. Ooh, I like that. That's a really cool way to tie that into the juggling. And then you can wield up to three weapons with a thrown property at a time instead of the normal two. Oh, that's cool. So, so you, oh, that's really nice. I like that. So basically, you're able to toss one of the thrown weapons up in the air. Uh, normally, you can only use two-weapon fighting as long as it has a light quality. And there are three weapons that you can use the light quality for. Light hammers. Uh, uh, daggers. Light hammers, daggers, and uh, hand axes. And so all three of those you can use as juggling uh, weapons and then use those in combat i think that's so cool i really really like that just stack yourself up with 
daggers and just start juggling them the whole time and just throwing them and just pulling exactly. more out of your bag and keep juggling. I love yeah. that. That's really fun. Yeah. Well, that's it for us. I guess that's it for us. I mean, we've exhausted our feats and we've uh, talked about fighters and talked about all of the different things. So, yeah. Yeah. So despite, despite my disdain for it at the beginning, the fighter is a very versatile class that is really a lot of fun the more you put into it. And it's really just a matter of what you want out of it. So I think we should, you know, anyone who wants to play a fighter should and let us know what you uh, what you think, especially if you play test Jesse's new uh, subclass. Yeah. Also, uh, just as a reminder, the drink we had today was Action Surge. Uh, which is uh, one of the abilities that a fighter can use. And I got this off of the same thing that I got uh, Barbarian Rage off of. I don't remember the name, but you can go back to episode two and listen to it if you want to find check, out. Check episode two. Yeah. 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 Great. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Jesse. Oh, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Podcasts when we figure that out. Yeah. Uh, and then and please like us on leave. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a Patreon. You can support us that way. If We, we do have a Patreon. Uh, if we get a, a nice review if you – if we get a certain amount of Patreon mem uh, members, we will start merch. I promise you. <laughs> I was going to say, I, was, I heard that, requ that request. I was very happy about that. Yes. But, yeah, so uh, and if you, if you can't do that, we totally understand. Uh, feel free to leave us a review on whatever you're yes, listening to us Yes, please review right us. Now. Give us a good review, please. It's free, and it helps people find the podcast. Yeah. And uh, shows how much you, you, you love our discourse. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you so much, Jesse. And thank you so much, everyone who's listening. Thank you, Billy. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.